Satan probably has done his work well as he seemed to empty almost every church of the gifts of the Spirit. I think he has made a mockery out of it at times through well-meaning individuals and through others who just seek to destroy or cast a bad light upon the gifts of the Spirit that God places in the church for the edifying of the body of Christ and for the perfecting of the body of Christ. He has placed his fivefold ministry in there, and with that he has placed the nine gifts of the Spirit. And I feel safe in saying tonight that the church can never reach its maturity, can never reach its perfection, can never reach its unity without those gifts being done in perfect order, perfect understanding. Just brief review, I suppose, the gifts are divided in three classes, those gifts of to know, those gifts of speaking gifts are to speak, and then the action gifts. We've already covered pretty well the gifts to know are revelation, and in those were the word of wisdom, which was the first gift, and those that word of wisdom is speech of instruction. In other words, the ability to know what course of action to take in view of revealed facts and when to take that action. And, of course, the word of knowledge is simply revealed facts, as kindly as if a curtain has just been lifted from a life, individuals able to see into the inner core of that life. Sometimes you see dark secrets as hidden there. Sometimes you see some glorious light from individuals that more or less have uh, kept their works under a candle. And we struggle sometimes as to what to do with some of this, and that's why the word of wisdom is necessary. Sometimes it would be good to bring these things to light. Other times it would be a destructive force to bring them to light. And we always have to keep in mind with the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge, reveal facts in our life that the devil has, as we said on Sunday morning, he has sowing tares in the midst of good seed. They have so entwined themselves close and around good seed, just as people have entwined themselves around good lives, so that there's sometimes if we would pull up the tear, we would destroy good seed also. So we have to be wise enough to know this, wise enough even, and sometimes a word of, of wisdom or a word of knowledge is for us to know, us to know alone, so that we can pray and intercede about it so that that life could be changed or so that the darkness could be dispelled by light. But that's revealed facts. And then in the midst of those things to know is the discerning of spirits. I think we need to realize that there are four types of spirit that operate. Briefly, the spirit of God, which operates in our life. The spirit of demon or devils, which also operate in each individual's life, whether he's possessed by them or simply obsessed by them or depressed by them, they still are active around all of us. I don't think any of us are perfect enough to say that we're not bothered by demonic forces. They're there to weary, they're there to destroy, they're, they're, they're there to enter in if we will let them. And of course then there's the spirit of the natural man that cannot discern or cannot know or knows nothing about spiritual things. So we look out upon the natural man who rejects God and who rejects his word, and to us that's awful. 
But that's a natural man. He don't know anything about spiritual things. He can never understand spiritual things. So when we're dealing with the spirit of the natural man, we have to be careful not to expect them to believe everything we say about what God is and about what he can do. And then the most prevalent spirit, I believe, is number four, and that's the spirit of the carnal or the immature man. I believe that the church sets full of we individuals who are immature. There's a difference between a carnal mind and a natural mind. The natural mind has never been regenerated, but the carnal mind has known Christ. It has been regenerated, but it hasn't matured. It's still the mind of a babe. It thinks like a child. It's selfish like a child. It acts like a child, and it wants things of a child, and it doesn't understand mature things. It doesn't know about responsibility. It doesn't care about responsibility. It doesn't care about growth. All it cares about is a good time and feeling good with God that they have become acquainted with, and that's all they care about. And the church world is filled with that. So we deal with these earning of spirits. We're looking to find out and try the spirit and see what type of a spirit we are dealing with when we're talking individually or whether we're dealing with churches or individuals in the church. And John tells us, believe, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. In other words, judge by the evidence which spirit is in action. And if we are, have a discerning presence of God in our life, we can look at the evidence how this individual speaks, whether he's speaking out of mature mind and desiring out of that, or whether he is speaking out of being influenced by demonic forces that caused him to speak erroneously, or whether he's speaking as a natural man that's never been acquainted with God, or whether he's just talking as a carnal man. And we can discern them and ascertain them if we have those gifts. And God has told us that we should desire spiritual gifts. Amen. He didn't uh, take anybody out of that. He said, really, that was the responsibility of everybody that knows him is to desire spiritual gifts. I wondered to what heights that a church, and I'm talking about an individual congregation, I wondered to what heights we could soar to if every individual of the congregation actually desired a gift that would be beneficial to the body of Christ in which they are a part of, that could see and know and ascertain what gifts would be the most beneficial and seek for that gift and then have the wisdom, knowledge enough to know in any given service what would be the best gift to operate, the best gift to be useful for. So then we got just a little ways on the speaking gifts, which was uh, diverse kind of tongues. And in that is inclusive, diverse kind of tongues, interpretation of tongues, course, and prophecy. And we have covered, number one, speaking in tongues for personal edification, which God has allowed individuals to have a gift of tongues where he can speak in tongues any time he gets ready. It's not always for church edification, and sometimes a person that has that gift, and that's why it's so important, can on his job. Just simply think those things in his mind and speak in tongues in his mind and get edification in their life. Have you ever realized that this probably is an important thing that when we're on our job and I have worked out much and when I was on my job and 
everything threatened. I mean, everything was going wrong, and all you could hear was blaspheme, and all you could hear was worldly language, and all, all you could hear that dominated your ears and your whole life was things that was detrimental to God. And there seemed to be no way you could curtail that, and you needed some peace, but you were stuck with the job, and you were stuck with these individuals, and that's where the gift of diverse tongues comes in. You can just, while they're standing there doing all of that, you can just bury yourself in the Spirit, and you don't even have to speak it out. It's in your mind, and you're being edified by the Spirit of God. It is important for us to have this, and if we don't have it, we ought to ask for it. And that's for our personal edification. And then, of course, there's speaking in tongues for church edification. Also, we had a commentary on tongues, and it might be good sometimes if you'd pick up the tapes and acquaint yourself with that. If you're interested in what the church can really do as far as walking out into maturity and how we can change the deficit and turn it into an asset to our own lives. And we've discussed the difference between the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and the gift of tongues. The tongues you receive when you receive the Holy Ghost, of course, is evidence. And then the gifts you receive is something that you can use any time. An individual that receives the power of the Holy Ghost in his life speaks in tongues as the presence of God moves upon him as uh, evidence that the Spirit of the Lord has come in. Gifts of tongues are different. You don't need to prove anything whatsoever. And most of the time, when you hear tongues spoken audibly in church, not all the time, but most of the time, it's spoken so there could be an interpretation for it. Now, I think when we approach this subject, we should approach it real carefully, and I'm going to do my best to do that as slow as I can. The gift of interpretation of tongues is one of the nine gifts of the Spirit that's directly connected, directly connected to the gift of diverse kinds of tongues, which is for church edification. But before we go into that area, I would like for you to turn to your Bibles and Acts the second chapter, and uh, we're going to read some of that old, old familiar things that we as Pentecostals know, or at least we feel like we know. Now, the Apostle Paul states this in 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, Though I speak with tongue of men and angels. Now, from this statement, we can ascertain that a person might speak in a tongue or languages of men, of languages that is known on this earth. It could be almost any language. I don't know how many languages there is on this earth, but you could speak in that which would be an earthly tongue or a heavenly tongue or uh, tongues of angels, so to speak, that God hasn't saw fit to give to anybody or to any country or to anybody else a language unknown in the earth, any place. And so a man might, even when receiving the Holy Ghost, he might speak in a tongue that somebody present from another country might recognize what he says. And then, of course, he might speak in a tongue that it wouldn't make any difference if every person that knew every language in the world would not know that. And still it would be from Almighty God. And I want to approach that, that direction, simply because at Pentecost, during the dispersion of Israel, now so often 
we get the idea that this is a Jewish dispersion. But it's far more than that. It is a dispersion of Israel. Ten tribes of Israel was dispersed to Assyria. Later on down the line, the tribes of Jews and, uh, and uh, uh, Levi and half a tribe of Benjamin, I think, was dispersed later to Babylon, so all of Israel. And you'll notice that Peter's uh, message on the day of Pentecost, he addressed not Jews, but he addressed all the house of Israel. So at the day of Pentecost, during the dispersion, these people from the tribes of Israel came from 17 different countries to that feast day that had been something that they never wanted to miss. And they were congregated around the upper room and they heard Galileans speak who had never known their language, had never heard it, and they knew it, and yet they heard these individuals coming out of the upper room that had been in these various countries of dispersion were speaking in a language of those countries, and they understood what they were saying. They were speaking fluently languages from these dispersed individuals that had come from 17 different countries or nations. So no interpretation was needed there. They simply heard in their own language people speaking the great works of Almighty God. I want to pause there for a moment and read that because I think it's important. When the day of Pentecost, that's the feast day, was fully come or was coming into being, those that had assembled and listened, now this might be old hat, but hang on, we need to get a revitalized uh, vision of what happened that day. It's 2,000 years old, but it ought to still bubble in our soul. And Jesus had told at least 500 to go to Jerusalem. He was preparing to build his church. He was preparing to build a church that would turn this world upside down with the gospel. And so 120 went, and then the day of Pentecost was fully come, and there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues or began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, and the hand is not in there, it should be supplied, and devout men out of every nation under heaven. In other words, wherever Israel had been dispersed, there had been some individuals come that day and saw that experience and later received that experience and took it to the nations where they were from and Israel, all the tribes heard of the wonderful works of God and the power of the Holy Ghost and was able also to minister that word to those who did not know it. Now it said, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Notice what we said, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying, One to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans. They recognized that they were all Galileans, that none of them 
had been out of their country whatsoever. And he said, the strange thing about this is, we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born, where they were born from. Now, it has always been the habit of the Hebrew people or Israel people to always keep their native tongue. Although they learned the tongue where they were born, always they kept their native tongue. They believed that they were the chosen people. They believed that this language was the language God gave them. So in spite of the languages that they learned from whatever country they was in, the babes that was born there was always taught the Hebrew tongue or the Aramaic tongue or whatever you want to say. They was always taught that. So they were aware that this was another language. And it goes on to tell you all of them that was there and the ones that heard them speak in the language they heard them to speak in. And they were amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? In other words, those that were from other countries knew these individuals were speaking in a language they could understand. But notice there was another group here that neither understood what they were saying. It said, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. We always look at that and wonder. And these had to be individuals, perhaps that was born and raised in Jerusalem, that knew nothing other than the Hebrew language, or knew nothing other than a Greek language, certainly didn't know the language these individuals were speaking, and so this was gibberish to them. They didn't understand what it was all about, and so they just said these people are mad. But these individuals that heard these unlearned individuals, not fluent in other languages, was amazed and puzzled and wanted to know what this was all about. And you see, it does make a difference whether we know what they're speaking about or not. And Peter then starts to give the message. Now, they didn't preach a message in other tongues, as a lot of people have said they did. That was the evidence of the Holy Ghost. They came out, and they were simply talking about, in other tongues, the wonderful works of God, the beautiful works of God. But Peter preaches the message. Peter stands up that day, and in their tongue, where they can all understand with the other eleven begins to tell them what this is all about. I want you to notice in the 22nd verse, he says, Ye men of Israel. In other words, it wasn't just the Jews. They were all there. Ye men of Israel. 36th verse, he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, of course, you know what had happened to them. They was pricked in their hearts, wanted to know what they could do to undo that ghastly deed that they had done. But these individuals came out, and as they came out, I was reading something that uh, I think probably it has justification, because this individual had did some research, and he was interested in the sound that came from heaven. Now, uh, we just think sometimes it was wind, but it said it was like a rushing mighty wind. And he was interested in that sound because he feels like it was this sound that attracted all these individuals to that upper room where those disciples or where those 120 was dwelling. And he was concerned about the sound. He feels like he located the upper room. They feel like that they have spotted that. And he tried something. He began to make some type of a noise that was similar 
to a loud rushing wind. And it was in that one upper room, and somewhere or somehow it penetrated in its location. It penetrated that whole city of Jerusalem until everybody in that city heard that sound. And he says it was a supernatural sound that drew these individuals to that place in the upper room and caused these individuals to come out and begin to speak in another tongue and speak in their languages. The Bible says the wonderful works of God. Didn't say anything about what they had to do. They were just speaking in the language of the Elamites, the language of the Medes, the language of the Parthians, the language of Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, and uh, Cyrenian strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes and Cretes and Arabians and all of those. They were speaking and worshiping God in a language these individuals could understand, and yet it was alien and foreign to them. Peter's the one that preached the message. They preached nothing about repentance whatsoever, but these individuals needed no interpretation. And you have to ask yourself the question, of course, sometimes we get so isolated because there's really no foreigners around us. Sometimes I think that that is a hindrance to us when it comes to the Holy Ghost, a hindrance to it. But it still happens today. I remember this story, and I was in one place. I happened to be a participant in one of these things, but a story where an, a Japanese man was listening to the message as a Pentecostal man was talking about uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost and its power, and he was unmoved as this individual was preaching. And suddenly this individual was moved on by the Holy Ghost and he began to speak in another tongue. And this Japanese man stood back in amazement because he knew this man. He was aware he didn't know his language, but yet he heard this man speaking in Japanese language. And this caused him to come to God and realize how great God really was. Now, all of you know Brother Hernandez. He has been here. He's from Puerto Rico. He speaks Spanish in the Puerto Rican way. It's a little bit different from uh, Mexico or other places. But uh, I was ministering after he'd already come into the church. He'd received the Holy Ghost. And I was ministering one time. Uh, don't even remember what it was about. But I remember the Spirit of the Lord just came on me. And I began to speak in another tongue as the Spirit gave utterance. And I just went ahead and spoke. I, I, I couldn't stop myself in a sense. And he just jumped up, and I mean, he had himself a fit. I mean, he had a fit. He said, you're speaking Puerto Rican. You're speaking Puerto Rican. I know what you said. And he ain't the only one that had a fit when I heard that. I had one too, thank God, to know how great God really is. Amen. And we have access to that. And sometimes we sit so unconcerned with this, this, this thing we have in an earthen vessel needs to be stirred up a little bit. Glory. It does something for us. Praise the Lord. And, and now this happened in a camp meeting back when I was a kid. Things like this used to happen. Ten-year-old boy was seeking for the Holy Ghost and suddenly he got it. That's ten-year-old boy. And a visiting missionary was there from South Africa. And he drawed near to the child and he listened to him. And he said, I know what that child is speaking. He is speaking Portuguese. 
child had never studied Portuguese in his life. And he said, that child is saying, I am being filled with a river of life. I am being filled with a river of life. Over and over he said that the great things of God, he said, I am being filled with a river of life in Portuguese. Yeah, there's no telling how many times things like this has happened. And it still happens today. Speaking in an earthly language unknown to us, you see it and hear report all over. Some missionaries report natives. They speak, uh, natives speaking, receiving the Holy Ghost. These natives speak in fluent English. These missionaries understand them. But to these natives, that's another tongue. They received the Holy Ghost speaking in English. There's no telling how many people have received the Holy Ghost over there and have spoken in English. This is a report that we know has happened. Brother Mariah was uh, telling us on occasions that when he goes to these places out there where these Hindus hardly know how to speak in their own caste system, that he has heard them speak in fluent English when they received the power of the Holy Ghost. And friend, that's enough to turn you on. I mean, that lets you know that we don't speak gibberish, that this is a reality, that we do have God in our life, and He can do everything. And we not only have Him, but we need to let Him exercise Himself through us. I'm going to say it again for some of us. It's been a long time since we've let God say anything through this old stubborn heart and will and tongue of ours. Amen. You say, well, I don't have the gift of tongues. Well, get close enough to God, as close as you did when you received the Holy Ghost, and you'll do the same thing again. Amen. In fact, it might be well if we would get a refreshing power of the Holy Ghost. So those are thrilling ways of God if we would just believe. Many people have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I know speaking in heavenly language, language that's unknown to anybody here on this earth, and Really, the important thing is that we speak in another language when we receive the Holy Ghost. We're, we're just simply fooling ourselves and, and we're denying ourselves probably one of the most gracious gifts that God has given down to mankind. And it doesn't matter whether anybody understands it or not. It doesn't have to be interpreted. That's not the purpose of that experience to be interpreted. The purpose of that experience is to let people know that something has happened in you. Now then, to the gift of interpretation. That is the Siamese twin to the gift of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues for church edification. Speaking with tongues, we've already discussed that for church edification, definitely demands an interpretation. And that brings us to the subject at hand. How does it work? How do we interpret and interpretation of tongues is put into being just like all the other gifts. It's when an unction or prompting of the Holy Ghost comes upon you. A message of tongues is going forth. An interpreter begins to reach out and begins to feel. And if you really want, when somebody speaks in tongues, begin to reach out, begin to feel, begin to say, God, I want to be used tonight. I want to be used tonight. But we should not wait until we come into the house of God. Usually if a person is where he ought to be with God and we are really interested in the gifts of the Spirit being operated in our lives and if we really want to be used to give a message in tongues, we'll ask God to use us on a particular church night. 
and God will give us the unction before we get to the house of God a lot of times that he's going to use us. It's not in this mind here. It's in God's mind that he is going to use us and we come prepared to be used. And at a given opportunity, we'll know what it is. And I have had times when I just knew that I would be used for interpretation. God sometimes beforehand almost gave me the message that was going to be before I really knew anybody was going to speak in tongues. But you have to believe it. You have to get ready for it. The church has to be receptive and we have to be willing vessels to be used by the power of God to forget what anybody might say or what anybody might think because after all, edification of God's body is important, is it not? It is very important that we get edified. We should never leave the house of God without edification from the Word of God that we understand are from one of the gifts of the Spirit are from them all. We should become exercised. We have to really mature in that area. And as I heard a friend of mine say, and I'm going to bore you that, tonight not too many of us are perfect. There are just three that I know of, and that's me and Brother Jack and Brother Denzel. And sometimes I doubt they are. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> So that kind of leaves me. Somebody said, don't break your hand with your back. The only perfect one that's ever been, of course, is Jesus Christ. So interpretation, there has to be a desire to be used, a recognition of a signal that's given you, a prompting, an unction of the Spirit. And however it may happen, let the Spirit of the Lord move upon you and you immediately reach you immediately start feeling after God for the interpretation. Now, everybody gets them different. I have, in studying for this, I have talked to different individuals who was gifted with interpretations, and I found several different ways that they interpret, and all of them seem to be right. Some of them interpret by a word. All they get is one word. That's all God gives them. So it takes a lot of faith to stand out and the Spirit has prompted you. They become sensitive enough to the Spirit to know that they're not just going to get up and rattle something. They have prayed. They are sincere enough in the Spirit to know that God has, has moved upon them and God gives them one word. And from there they stand up and after they say the one, then God begins to supply the others. Others, by a phrase, God gives them a complete phrase. Some of them by a sentence or some by a vision just simply gets a vision while this individual is talking and they're describing something in another language. God is giving them a vision of what he's talking about. We'll get to some of that a little bit later. And some, some people just explain. They just simply start explaining what has been said. And regardless of how it might come, God expects the interpreter simply to take the, by faith those things that are before him. And God will give the rest of it to us. I can remember on one occasion, and I can only relate my experiences. I would relate others, but I know these happened. But I can remember one time of interpreting a message in tongues, and God just gave me one word. Now, this happened more than once, and I've talked to others too, and uh, it was just simply marching. That individual had spoken in tongues a couple of three minutes, and we have always admonished individuals that have the gift of diverse tongues now, don't take 15 to 20 minutes just speaking in tongues. Wait, speak a few words, a few, few phrases to find out if you have an interpreter first. Don't take up a whole service speaking in tongues and nobody knows what you're talking about. You see, this will edify no one.
since I have come into the gifts of the Spirit. But I had that one word, marching, 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 and that is all that I could get. And I don't know how many times I said that. And then there unfolded before me as I was seeking, reaching out, God, and I was saying audibly the word marching. And then I saw uh, saints of God <laughs> robed in white as they was marching into the kingdom of God. I saw the powers of hell bound. I saw the evil one bound and, and cast into the lake of fire. And I saw the freedom and I saw the joy that was on the faces of God's children as they marched into the kingdom of God. And as I began to see that then, I began to tell them what I was seeing. And friend, I'm telling you, havoc took place in that place because the saints of God knew and could feel that one of these days they would be free from this old sin and despair and the devil wouldn't be there anymore and we'd have freedom in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Because God spoke through somebody and somebody dared to minister and God just opened it up. I've had a lot of things but I don't think I've ever had anything to thrill me and my experience in God more than to see that. Hallelujah! I mean it was just some way you could just see that old evil that had been on this world for thousands of years and caused havoc and caused death and caused sickness and caused division and caused struggling and all of these things. And, and you saw the weariness that was on God's people and yet you saw inside of their heart. And I'm telling you what I saw. I saw inside of their heart a desire. They held fast to that which they had. They wasn't going to let any man take their crown. They was resolved to get into the kingdom of God one way or the other. And that power was resisting them. That God sent the power of an angel down and reached down and bound that thing and loosed humanity. Friend, and you talk about rejoicing in the kingdom of God. Friend, we've got it before us. It's everywhere. And we need to reach out and receive it. Amen. That's future. I realize that. But that's the greatest hope we have to realize the devil cannot destroy us. He must not destroy us. And we need a vision. <laughs> Hallelujah. I said we need a vision. Hallelujah. We need a vision to know that one of these days it's going to be over. Yes, it is. One of these days, that loneliness of the heart, one of these days we'll not stand and hold the hand of a dying friend or brother or sister or mate. One of these days it's going to be where we won't pass by the casket and plant a kiss upon that cold forehead and wonder whether we're going to see them again or not. One of these days we'll not stand by the bedside of a suffering individual and watch as the powers of hell has destroyed their mind and their activities and all of that and, and, and almost taken from them. We're going to be able, friend, to realize that there's going to be a day coming, thank God, when there's not going to be any separation, not going to be any loneliness, not going to be any tears shed, not going to be any divisions, thank God. And all the weariness is going to be erased from our heart and erased from our minds, thank God, because God said it so. Hallelujah, God said it so. He's taken it captive. Thank God He's taken it captive. That's out there. That's ours, thank God, and we need that. I said we need that. We have to have it. All of us have suffered in some way or other. Sickness of this body, this 
fading out and it's getting older and stricken by sickness and disease and things just naturally come upon the mind and on the heart. Not a lot we can do about it in a sense. I think of Daniel when he spoke concerning that evil that was going to come up and wear out the saints of the Most High God. Didn't say he's going to destroy them. Just said he's going to wear them out. Just make them tired. And just make them weary. And just make them want to sit down and not do anything. And I think the Bible said Jesus knew that. And he said, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season he shall reap if you faint not. And then he cried out in Revelation, Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Realizing there's going to come a day when weariness is going to disappear. Hallelujah, and we'll march into the kingdom of God with a shout on our lips and joy in our heart and sparkle in our eyes because we have been an overcomer in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, that's been a lot of years ago, and I can still see it again. Hallelujah, bound. He's bound. That evil one that caused torment and all of that. And then, talking to one individual, the message was going forth. This happened in the church, and I'll not name the church or the individual, but it was a good man. Message was going forth, and he couldn't get a word, couldn't get anything. He knew that God was dealing with him. And again, a vision came. He closed his eyes. And after a while, he saw mountains, huge mountains covered with snow. And he saw them for a little while, and then he saw bursting out from a clouded sky. Sun. Bright. Bright sun. Dispelled all the fog and darkness that was there and came closer and closer to the tips of those mountains, those snow cone mountains. And as he watched that sun, as it beat down, he, he told it uh, uh, as a revelation as he watched that, that, that sun, as it came closer to that mountain. And all at once, the snow began to melt off of that mountain. And it began to run down that mountain, began to trickle down through there, began to bubble down, and it made a small brook and bounced over the rocks and picked up and finally it become a stream. And finally it become a river and finally it become an ocean. And what God was trying to tell him was this, and I've got it wrote down as the sun shines upon the edge of the snow-capped mountains and the water trickles away bubbling and bouncing through the forest, becoming greater and swifter and wider on its journey downward. So does my spirit come upon you as cooling waters come down and waters the thirsty ground. So does my spirit come down and water the thirsty and barren land in which you have to live. And my spirit quenches your thirsty souls so you need not thirst any longer hallelujah friend that's God talking to us that's God telling us something and think what we miss by not having some of this in our assembly somebody some way wanting to be used of God our friend listen there's thirsty souls come in here and sometimes with all the best I can do with my loud mouth and long windedness I can't quench the thirst that God's spirit can I said God's spirit can and there should never come a time when we come in the midst of God that we should leave with thirsty souls and hungry hearts. Hallelujah, are depressed or downhearted. This place 
that God has got for us is not just a birthing chamber, but it's a strengthening chamber for His people. And we should start using it for that. It's where we come together not to while away a few hours and just listen to a long-winded man preach or have me listen and look out at you, but it's a place where we come to renew our strength and our efforts and wait for God to say something to us. And then have confidence enough to believe that God did talk to us. That God did say something to us. Hallelujah. Glory and strength purpose and peace and enlightenment and insight can be received by the people of God through the marvelous gifts of God's Spirit that He's placed in the church. Now, in the place where there have been interpretations, you usually have almost the same comments. People doubting. You see, you should never doubt God. You should never. I realize... I realize that there's been some things that hasn't been of God, but can we throw out the Holy Ghost because somebody mocks the Holy Ghost or, or, or does something that is not in the Holy Ghost? We still keep it there. And gifts have been misused, I know that. But somewhere, somehow, we ought to get confidence enough in one another to believe that they would never do anything whatsoever to hurt or disrupt or destroy. That confidence needs to be in our heart. If it's not there, it needs to be in our heart. And you need to have confidence enough in me to know that I wouldn't say anything to defame you or to hurt you, that whatever I say is to call your attention to your weakness and what the devil is doing to you so you can recognize that and do something about it. Amen. Should have that confidence. Should have that confidence. It needs to be there. And some have said in criticism, well, the message was short and the interpretation was long. So somebody was off base. I can't accept this. I've had them tell me that. And all of us know this, that interpreting, in, interpreting from one language to another, you can't simply say it in the words that it's said in. Sometimes it takes more words in another language to say what we say in the English language, and sometimes it takes more words in the English language to say what they say in other languages. And besides that, the Bible says interpretation, not translation. So sometimes when you're interpreting by vision, you've got to wait on the vision, and then you've got to say all those things that God has shown you in those visions because you're, you're not translating that, you're interpreting what this individual is saying. So we can't expect a word-by-word -word translation. We should never expect that, but interpretation of a message from God. And if this is understood, the length of the, of the interpretation or the length of the tongues are not going to matter to us. And also, you need to notice this, that a person interprets... A person interprets by their background. Now, that's not if a person is educated, and he can, which I'm not, and he can dot his I's and cross his T's, and he can speak in real flowery language, and that's what he usually speaks in. When he interprets, that's the way he's going to interpret. But if a person is not real educated, and he, he don't really have the... Uh, right way of speaking so on and sometimes he gets his words backwards or whatever he's going to interpret in the way that he usually talks and the way he usually says 
And, of course, it's not possible that you'd get two different interpretations, but sometimes if we're not careful, we could get confused. Because God is not going to take you and give you a college education. He's just going to use you as the vessel you are. Just because you've been willing to be used by that. And if you say ain't her Kate when you talk, that's what you're going to say when you're interpreting. If you don't dot your I's or cross your T's, but if you have poetic words and this is the way you do it, and this is the way you talk, and this is the way you think, and if you're intellectual and usually use some big words when you're interpreting, then you're going to do that. But that doesn't mean the message is any different. It's just your way of explaining and we should never feel bad when we stand and give an interpretation uh, to a message and we don't do it as pretty and as beautiful as somebody else might do it. God only asks that you give him this vessel. That's all. That's all. He's not going to give you a short four-year course in etiquette or, or in language speaking or anything else. He's just going to use you for what you are. Now, if you want to increase your vocabulary, you can. Amen. All of us can. We've got dictionaries we can read. I knew a man, instead of reading storybooks, he read the dictionary. <laughs> and I mean, he had a vocabulary. <laughs> the fact of it is, I didn't know what he's talking about half the time <laughs> with, with these words about that long, and I tried to write them down, I couldn't even spell them. And uh, incidentally, the people he's talking to couldn't understand half what he said, but he was intellectual in that way. But we can all become wise if we want to, but you've got to realize this one thing. It doesn't make any difference how much education you've got. God is not using your education. God is using you. Amen. And he's giving you what to speak, and he wants to use you. Amen. And you don't have to be a smart guy. All you've got to do be is a willing person. God has place some measures also on these things and we'll get through with this in just a moment and let you go home everybody doing all right brother Albie, brother dale you doing just fine now out there amen anybody else i'm picking on them because they fully admitted that sometimes they nap amen and i thought well that's fine i see them uh, do that sometimes with their eyes closed but i see some of you guys sitting there with your eyes open and you've mastered that so much that you can sit there and sleep with your eyes open Amen. So, so you, don't, you don't have to feel by yourself at all. And then there's others that simply are just spiritually asleep. I mean, you can know almost everything that's going on, and you don't hear a thing I say. You're spiritually asleep. You, you don't grasp anything that's being said. So you guys just, just, just go ahead, do your best. I'll call you out once in a while. <laughs> and wake you up and you guys that learned how to master that sleep with your eyes open, we'll test you one of these times too see what happens but there are masters in this area you'd be surprised everybody doing all right you just got about another 10 minutes can you hold out lift your hands up if you can hold <laughs> praise the lord brother alvey can you make it about another 10 minutes all right brother dale about another 10 minutes okay fine here we go here we go praise the lord now i forgot what i was going to say <laughs> that's what i get for nosing isn't it well, just three of us perfect, like I said. But now, on this, we have to realize also that as these things are happening, tongues and interpretation, the Bible says, Let it be by two, and at the most part by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. 
Let the prophets speak two or three, and let the others judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first hold his peace. I'm not going into a whole lot of dissertation on that, other than uh, uh, we need to be careful, because there are others that are sitting there with the same gift that we have, and they are allowed to judge us as to whether we're speaking under the influence of the Spirit or not. And we certainly don't want to do anything to take the glory away from God. We don't want to do anything for that. And it would be quite embarrassing, but I'm not sure that we're able to take that. We need to, If we're going to be used to the Lord, we'll have to get in that place where somebody will come up and say, you were in the flesh tonight. That wasn't God. You missed it. <laughs> we're going to have to be in a place where we can handle that because we've got to realize that when we are doing this, that sometimes flesh does get in the way. We want to do something so bad or say something so bad that flesh does get in the way. Now, this should never be done publicly, but it should be done privately. And it should be done not just by one, because he could be just as wrong as that individual. It should be done by two or three that got the same message, which was different from the individual that gave the message. And this way we could be controlled by this. And there would be nothing wrong with that. I said there would be nothing wrong with that. But, you know, we are so sensitive and we are so childish that it's hard for us to take rebuke. I mean Christian rebuke. I mean just for helping us as well as helping the church. But those are protective guidelines that have been placed in the body of Christ. Messages in tongue, interpretations of tongue can actually richly enhance, permeate a service, and bring a sharp awareness more than anything that I know of the presence of God and God's interest in us. And God help us to have His voice heard among us. And may we never be a people without the Spirit of God speaking to us. Might we always desire that God's Spirit and God's presence would speak to our lives and we might pray and, and friend, we need it. Now, I, I don't know what has happened or transpired. I don't know that they was ever here. I don't know if they was here and something happened. But I know, do know in the two years that I have been here, we, we've been greatly depressed when it comes to the spirit of uh, gifts of the Spirit. We haven't been used as they should be used. And I know that there are gifted individuals here that need to utilize the gift of the Spirit. They need to utilize what God has given them. Now, whether we have been hurt, whether we have been scared, or whether we just don't know, I don't know what it is, but I do know this, we need it. And we don't need to wait for brother and sister so-and-so to do it. God wants to use us. And we're going to learn as a child. We're going to grow in these things. Somebody said, well, you don't have to grow with a gift. The gifts are perfect. Yes, the gifts are perfect, but the ones that possess the gifts are not. Amen? And so we have to grow in this. We become knowledgeable of this. And the first time we do it, we probably be scared to death. I just talked to an individual who is beginning a church and uh, uh, starting one in a little town. And he was telling me about when they was there to kind of organize and get it together, the Spirit of the Lord became heavy. And they began to give a message in tongues and, and uh, sat there for a while in this a little lady that had never been used to the Lord before, although she knew that she should have been used, began to come up and give the interpretation of that. And it was showing the awesome responsibility of what they was trying to do. 
and it showed their inabilities to do that in the position they was in. And uh, it got heavy, and she got scared. And so she quit giving it. <laughs> see, you see, but the message already got across. They realized that what they was entering into was not child's play. You don't just decide you'll start a church. And the snap of your finger, you just start a church. You don't decide that. You let the Holy Spirit decide it, and then you realize the awesome responsibility that is placed upon your shoulders as the core of the church. What's going to be demanded of you? That you set it up right. It should be set up right in the way uh, of God, and especially in these last days. Sometimes every church ought to look over its organization and see if it's set up according to God's Word and biblically, and realize that is a hindrance if it is not. And let the presence of God motivate us be under the inspiration of God. But sometimes we get a little scared at that and sometimes maybe we won't finish the message uh, that God has given us and sometimes we'll get so excited during we're speaking in tongues we get so excited uh, about things and, and we won't give a clear message as it should or maybe we won't speak as long as the Spirit wants us to speak if there's an interpreter there. And all of these things. But there has to be a beginning. There has to be a start. And it would be so nice if some of the seasoned saints of God would get under the burden and realize, hey, look, I've come to church. Now, I see it and you see it. I have come to church when there's just been a spirit of oppression. My God, you could feel it by the time you walk into that building. Just a spirit of oppression, the powers of hell wanting to keep you down. You can't sing. You can't testify. You can't preach. Uh, I mean, everything is almost against you. It's a heavy spirit, a heavy air of depression. And something that could loosen that would be somebody that has prayed and said, God, let me be under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God and set this thing to naught. We ought to always want something that could edify the body of Christ. So we wouldn't go home with that depressed spirit and go home with a thirsty soul, go home with a hungry heart. We come here sometimes loaded down our mind mentally. I've came here like that mentally so confused in my mind as to which direction to go or what to do and Burdens are heavy and demonic forces almost everywhere. If you really want to feel them, stand behind this sacred death sometime and have a message that God wants to deliver to us, at least it would challenge our life. Every demon force would array itself against you until sometimes you stutter and stammer and you leave here and you go home and you almost cry because you haven't really got out what you feel like ought to be got out. The gifts of the Spirit could eliminate some of this. It could help. And we need to be possessors of those things. God said they were ours. He said we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And if we don't have the power of the Holy Ghost in our life, we can have it. And if we haven't utilized that power, we can do that. And I'm going to say it again. The gifts are not only for the intellectual, not only for the leadership, but it's for everybody that would desire them. Not for any glory of your own. I've been through the gauntlet. I've been around the block a few times. I've watched individuals, especially some of my young preachers that got a gift, and they just run the church ragged with the gift. <laughs> I mean, that's all they wanted. I mean, they didn't want any service. They just wanted tongue interpretation and prophecy. Whole service just run on those things, and that's not what gifts are for. 
Gifts are to complement a service, complement the Word of God. They're not to dominate and take charge of a service, but they are to be used, and God help us to use them. Would you stand? Which is the next speaking gift, and then after that, the action gifts. And we've been lopsided so much in churches, but I'm not going to say much about that until we get the speaking gifts under control and, and, and the word and the knowing gifts and get them uh, under control where we can handle them, and then we can proceed on to the action gifts. They're necessary. Would you come and just stand and uh, ask God, just ask Him to use you. Hallelujah. Been a while since you spoke in tongues. Ask God to renew your experience. If you've never spoken in tongues, ask God to do it for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just pray tonight. Father, we thank you tonight. We realize that we stand in your presence. We come just for the purpose, Father, of entering into your presence tonight, asking, Father, that you would work a work within our heart. Let it be an inner working of the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, let it.